Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. What he said. Welcome along to another episode of Talking CFD. Now, it's usually the show where I talk to CFD entrepreneurs about how they've grown their businesses, but today it's a little bit different. Today, I'm hoping we can get a bit more tactical and dig into why there's a good chance that if you're an engineer, then sales possibly isn't your favorite activity. And perhaps you're not even really that good at it. But we all know where businesses with no sales end up. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Waters, a guy who's forgotten more about selling CAE software than you and I are ever likely to know. He's a fellow podcaster, an all-round top bloke. Welcome along, Jeff. <laughs> top bloke. That's a first. You need to come over here more often. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, happy to share a little bit of what I learned in the last 20 years. Um, and I am close to CFD, actually. I was a real engineer once upon a time. I uh, was working as a contractor at General Motors back in the early 90s on the EV1 electric vehicle. And um, that's how I first discovered CFD, uh, was using um, a tool called CF Design for airflow studies and cooling studies of battery packs. Oh, back in the day. Um, I was going to call you a CAE sales veteran, but I wimped out because I didn't want to make you feel old. But uh, <laughs> do you want to get... Do you want to give the listeners a bit of a potted history of uh, of where you've been selling? Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, I accidentally got into sales. Um, you know. So I, so I like your topic here. Um, like I said, I was a real engineer once upon a time, a mechanical engineer, and then uh, I had started using this um, this uh, tool called CF Design. And uh, little did I know that the company behind it, Blue Ridge Numerics, was made up of all of six people. Uh, I assumed if I spent $20,000 on software, then there must be a couple thousand people working at that company. But uh, I got a call from them one day and, you know, to make a long story short, uh, you know, I was young and, uh, you know, mobile and they said, hey, why don't you come work for us? And I did. And, uh, you know, soon I found myself working as a, at a startup as employee number seven and, you know, kind of got pushed into sales because everybody had to do everything when you only have seven people. That's the case. I moved to uh, New England, um, the Boston area, and set up shop and basically just got kicked in the gut about a thousand times as I learned what works and what doesn't in selling software. I was there for about nine years, and then I've uh, been at a variety of other companies, uh, Space Claim, MSC, uh, and now ESI couple of others in there as well but uh you know i really never left the uh, the sales side of uh i've always been in sales and you know i think that the lessons that you learn in sales are applicable to selling anything but uh, i still just love the whole cae space so i keep coming back to it now i was kind of just talking about myself when i suggested that engineers aren't that great at sales but i mean you've you've seen and you've been part of more sales team than i have um do you think it holds up as a generalization? Are engineers bad at sales? Mm, I think naturally uh, they are, but with a little bit of guidance, they can be rock stars. They, I mean, they can they could definitely uh, overcome a couple of their internal habits and uh, then move into kind of a special role where you've got some domain expertise, but you also have some sales skills. Um, you know, a lot of times we think of the the, the used car salesman, you know, the flashy guy who. Um, you know, may not know a whole lot and he's just trying to cajole you into uh, opening up your wallet. And and that's not really what sales is. So once you get beyond that and you start thinking of, you know, one of these terms, consultative uh, selling, for example, well, you can't be a consultant unless you really know what you're talking about. And engineers typically do. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because otherwise this podcast would have been over at like two minutes. But uh, um, so y- you kind of hinted at it being something that you can learn to do well. So it's not the case that you've either got it or you haven't. You can uh, improve yourself in in that department, I guess. Yeah, the only downside to that is, uh, you know, like I said in the beginning, you're going to have to get kicked in the gut. Uh, you're going to have to have visceral fails that become part of your DNA in order to learn the craft. And, you know, that's something that, you, you know, you, do you have the stomach for it? Wow. Gut, stomach. I, I don't know what's going on with that, but <laughs> I just realized the words I'm using. But um, yeah, so, uh, I, you know, if I go back to my own path, um, you know, if you take these Myers-Briggs tests, uh, I'm, I'm a very clear introvert on those tests. And I think a lot of engineers are uh, disproportionately introverted. And that's not a bad thing. That, that simply just means that, uh, A, you, you kind of lose energy when you're in a group um, instead of gaining energy. My wife's an extrovert, so it's the opposite. Um, but it also means that you like to sort of think through what you're going to say before you say it. But uh, introverts typically shy away from public speaking, and that's a big part of... Um, of selling. You know, you've, you've got to be able to talk to another human. You've got to be able to talk to a group when you're in a conference room or on a stage. And, uh, I think that might be the first thing that stops most engineers from getting into the, the area of selling. I fixed that myself just by joining Toastmasters a couple of decades ago. You think that's a useful thing to do? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you asked me to, come with, uh, you know, a few tips or resources that could help people. But, you know, I'll mention that one now. Um, I, I just, I really think it gives you a safe environment to, you know, if your fear is speaking in front of others, and then that's the thing that, you know, holds you back. Well, you're not going to learn any of these other skills until you can get around that because you, you won't put yourself into a position to get kicked in the gut. Right. So yeah, I def, I highly recommend you find something like Toastmasters in your area. I, I think it is international, but in the U.S., it's just um, you know a group of people who get together to practice uh, speaking skills. And one of the things there that I found particularly useful for me was um, they would put you on the spot. So uh, each week, uh, one person would have a list of topics, random topics, and they would. Um, point at somebody randomly around the table and throw out this topic. And you had to speak off the top of your head for, I think it was two minutes straight, which doesn't sound like long, but if you're not used to it, holy cow, that's uh, that, that's pretty tough. <laughs> um, so, so that helped a lot. But uh, in general, I think the things that engineers need to, to need to work on, um, one is we have a tendency to show up and throw up <laughs> and uh, we've got, you know, if we're selling a product, we've got, you know, all these um, features in mind that we're so proud of and we just have to list off all of these, uh, these features. And, you know, uh, I can't remember the television show, but here in the U.S., uh, I don't know, about 10 years ago, I saw this show where they, they had a kid who was listed as the... Um, the best uh, kid salesman in the world. And he was coaching other people. And he said something that's always stuck with me. He says, don't sell what you've already sold. He cut off an adult who was trying to pitch him something. And he said, don't sell what you've already sold. And basically it was that this guy was, you know, listing off feature after feature after feature. And the kid had already given an indication that, yeah, okay, I get it. I buy it. And that's what engineers typically do. And a couple of bad things happen when you start doing that. You know, if you already have some sort of a selling signal or a buying signal from the customer, 
then you need to start moving into the phase of what are we going to do next? What are our next steps together? Even if you've got a list of, you know, you only got to two of your best features, don't, don't continue on because the worst thing that's going to happen is you'll bore them. Second thing that's going to happen is you'll, you'll lose that window where they're warm enough to actually set a next step, which is critical. And then the third thing is you're likely to bring up some topic that they aren't considering right now that's important to them. And they like they would prefer to have what your your competitor has. They just hadn't thought of it yet. I mean, you're already talking about like the different say the different stages of the conversation and, and things like that. Is this something that does it need a degree of book learning to start with? You need do you need or is it just you just have to get out there and get kicked in the gut, like you said? Uh, I think it's both, you know, as, you know, again, with introverts, we like to uh, really think about what we're going to say, or in this case, what we're going to do. Um, you could take that too far. You know, at some point, you've just got to put yourself out there and uh, get into battle. You know, you have to have some reps under your um, under your belt before you'll really get good at this. But um, there are a thousand sales books out there. Yeah, yeah there's more than that. Eventually, if you read enough of them, you sort of see the similarities, the the thread that runs through them all. And I would say that if you find one that you like that works for you, stick with that and you know, don't feel like you have to go read every single book on sales. Also know that you know every sale is a little different. So what they prescribe in in certain sales methodologies, um, you know, you, you want to be able to tinker with that. It can't be so rigid. You know, again, if the if somebody wants to give you a bag of money after you've opened your mouth for a minute, take the bag of money, right? <laughs> but uh, if I'm going to recommend just two from my past that you know that I think are pretty easy to digest and and really useful, um, one is the Sales Bible from a guy named Jeffrey Gittimer. The Sales Bible is very basic, uh, digestible sales information. Some of it's a little dated, but um, you know I think that's a good place to start. And then once you have that, just there's one book. I, if I had to pick one, it would be Question Based Selling by Thomas Fries. It's uh, F R E E S E. Um, I, I think just get the go out and get those two and stick with that for now and see how far you get. But I mean, so if I'm a an engineer founder and I've been cranking away at, uh, at building a product or, or polishing my service or something like that, and I don't think that I'm going to be great at sales, can I just outsource it as quickly as possible, or do I have to do some of it? I think you have to do some of it. Um, if you're an early stage founder, um, you know, wow, this is interesting. I'm, I'm mixing um, I'm mixing ideas here. So one one case of uh, early stage founders is. Uh, if you look at Silicon Valley companies or, or people that are creating web startups, for example, or software startups, that, maybe that's not exactly what you had in mind. Um, Bill, they definitely need to be selling themselves first. Um, but but if you're forming a company like a product company, I don't know, maybe like a Kickstarter kind of thing. Uh, is that what you had in mind? More from the point of view of I'm, as an as an engineer, I'm fairly happy sat at a desk cranking through code or uh, or developing process and things like that. Is it something that I can outsource to other people or am I the only person who really knows it well enough to be able to go out and sell it? Yeah. So uh, if you have a product, then you're going to know that product better than any salesperson that you hire and you will always be the best salesperson for your product just because you have such domain expertise and uh, and knowledge of, of, of what it is that you offer. Assuming that you can get yourself to 
sort of, uh, how do I say this nicely? Shut the heck up um, <laughs> about your product at the right moments. Um, you know, you, you, you're going to be best at that. Um, I wouldn't outsource uh, selling in the very early stages. I mean, you really need to make sure that uh, you can do it predictably, that you can sort of calculate or uh, keep track of all the questions that you're getting um, in the sales process and start to document that and make something that's replicable uh, because it's going to be expensive to hire a salesperson. I mean, that's one of the great things about sales is you certainly make more money in sales than you do in engineering. Um, <laughs> And that's going to definitely be the case when you go out to hire someone. If they're any good, you're going to have to pay them pretty hefty sums to get that. And you'll be happy to do it because you have, you know, you have money coming in. But, um, you know, there's, uh, there are some salespeople who can come in and will, you know, figure out how to sell the thing that, you know, that you're selling. But uh, more often than not, you're you're going to be better if you can provide them with templates of what works, and then say, "Okay, go scale this." So I say, I, I think you got to learn these skills at the beginning. So one thing you've mentioned a couple of times now, if not more, just then most recently with the shutting the heck up. This is as much about listening as talking, isn't it? By the sound of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and <clears throat> there's a there's a game that you can play. Oh, one of my my first sales manager taught me this the silence game basically it's uh if you're talking with anyone it could be you know someone you're trying to sell to could could be your wife or your husband you know try, try this i mean i guess it doesn't work with your dog but uh you know try it with uh you know a friend and you know anyone that you're in a conversation with um we're we're much too quick to start injecting our side of the conversation which is odd to hear me say that because i've been yapping far more than you during, <laughs> during this interview. But, um, uh, you know, when you use silence, uh, you know, some people as say as a weapon, but, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing what can happen. So you're in the middle of a conversation with someone and then you just go silent, uncomfortably silent. What seems like, uh, an eternity to you may only be two seconds or three seconds when you first start doing this. But the, the longer that you can stretch that out and you can be comfortable with silence, uh, the more useful it becomes. It's amazing. You know, people get, uh, kind of uncomfortable and they want to fill that void. So you might be in a negotiation with someone and if you're just silent, then the other person eventually breaks down and says, okay, okay, I'll give you whatever you want. Or, or they start giving you more information that, uh, you know, otherwise you would have tried to pull out of them by asking question after question after question. So, you know, silence is, is really an important tool that you've got to learn to wield. Did that make sense? Yeah, I was just giving it a go then. <laughs> and, and, and you got a response. <laughs> there we go. Um, I mean, that, that's one of the things that perhaps uh, that takes a bit of practice that, um, so shutting up and, and, and listening, but what, what, What's the number one mistake that you see engineers making when they start trying to sell their stuff? I mean, you've, you've already mentioned um, uh, throwing up features all over everybody. One, one thing is uh, engineers tend to be, technical people tend to be a little too rigid about what's possible. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll mix two things here. Uh, I'll give you two stories. That That's another critical element that you've got to get good at. It's not about facts and figures. It's about storytelling. When you talk to uh, prospects or, or you give sales presentations, when you walk out of the room, uh, 
you know, they're going to remember uh, there's some official number, but let's just say it's 5% of what you presented on your, in your PowerPoint slides. But if you tell a story, they're pretty likely to remember that whole story. So you've got to work storytelling into your game. So here's an example of that. The other issue is that, you know, again, engineers are much too rigid about what's possible. And I'll give you a couple of examples. When I was in high school, I uh, got a job at McDonald's. You know, I came from a farming background, so th- th- you know, I did plenty of manual labor, but this was my first actual job out you know, off the farm. And you know, I'd been to McDonald's many, many times. Uh, the first time I passed through the the little entranceway to the left of the counter, you know, where the workers can come and go freely, I had this really strange feeling. You know, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm passing into the unknown, or I'm passing into the forbidden zone. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, after about uh, two days of working there, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't have that feeling anymore. No. Right. And um, so, so that's, uh, you know, that's something that you've got to get used to is that we have a lot of um, internal barriers that we've put up all around ourselves. And you've, you've got to learn that those, those are unreal. They just don't exist. And you got to push through them. And after you do that a few times, it, you know, it, it'll become more and more a part of who you are. Um, you know, another example is, uh, I'll tell the story of, uh, I won't name the, the company, but there's a, there's a company that I tried to sell to early in my career in, uh, upstate New York. And, uh, I had made some good contacts with, um, the VP of engineering, director of engineering, a couple of the mechanical engineers had just a few phone calls with them, but not enough to really justify, um, getting on site for a sales meeting. However, uh, they're out in the middle of nowhere and I was going to be near them, uh, on this specific date. So, you know, I didn't want to have to drive out there twice. So, you know, I called and I, you know, at the last minute I was going to try to force a meeting to happen. Well, I got through to the secretary, uh, at the front desk and, you know, because nobody was answering their phones and I asked her, Hey, are these people here? What's go- what's going on? I can't get through to anybody. And she said, Oh yeah, they're, they're all at an event, uh, today. So, you know, they're out of the office and I said, Oh, that's too bad. I, you know, I meant to, uh, you know, calling to schedule a meeting with them next week. And for whatever reason, the secretary said, Oh, uh, well, let let me check their schedules. Would that help you? And for a minute I had the natural engineering, uh, thought process. Oh, these people didn't ask me for a meeting. I can't do this. <laughs> but then I just shut up and let it happen. And she said, oh yeah. Okay. These four are all available. Uh, would you like me to, p- would you let me to put this on their calendars? And I said, uh, yeah, sure. And then she said, okay, well, um, how about a conference room? Do you need a conference room for your meeting? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> And, and she organized a, you know, a conference room. And then as soon as I got off the phone, I couldn't believe what just happened. And I sent emails out to each of the people independently saying something like, Hey, really looking forward to seeing you at the meeting next Thursday. (laughs) And uh, when I got to the meeting, there were actually uh, about a dozen people, people who I hadn't even uh, invited to the meeting were were in the room. Not a single person at this company had requested the meeting. So, um, you know, you've got to get creative. You've, you've got to get past these barriers that you put in front of yourself uh, because they are false. And it's probably not just engineers. Probably most people walking around the street suffer from this as well. I mean, it sounds a little bit like one other thing you've got to do is pick up the phone. That wouldn't have happened by sending an email, I guess. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've got to be willing, uh, you know, and I'm showing my age here, but, um, 
for small and mid-sized companies, you know, when you're selling engineering services or solutions, a lot of times, you know, ultimately the decision is going to be made by uh, the president of the company if it's a small company. And so um, you've got to be willing to reach out to that person. You've got to believe that, you know, you can't believe the barrier that the engineering mind has that oh, I'm not allowed to talk to the president because he's an executive, right? And so you you, you need to get past that. Uh, but I'll show my age here. You know, I've, I've tried all different ways of getting through to that guy. Uh, in the old days, I used to page a president and I would coach uh, younger salespeople. So paging for the younger listeners here is you used to have these systems where you could call in and ask the secretary to page an employee and she would get on the loudspeaker all through the building saying, you know, Bill Smith, you have a phone call, please pick up on three. <laughs> You know, at the beginning of this conversation, I talked about how, you know, this is going to be painful. There is pain in learning this. And there's, and I, I believe there's no way around it. You know, you can prepare yourself by reading, but you're just going to have to go out and try and fail and try and fail. And then you'll learn and you'll get better. Um, but in doing this, you know, another critical aspect is that engineers really are going to need to thicken their skin. When you're in an engineering role, I would say most people that you're working with, by and large, are pretty honest with you and open with you. But when you step outside that world into the sales side, uh, you're going to hear people telling you horrible lies and you're going to take that very personally, but you can't, um, you know, for example, someone might say to you, um, yeah, I need, um, I need your product to do this, this, and this, or, or we can't, we can't do business at all. You may know that they really don't need that, that critical, um, element of your product or service, but then, um, you know, if you do eventually sell to them and you might get into terrible argue, arguments with them, but then, you know, when you do eventually sell to them and you, you come back six months later or, or an idea, or it might be that they say, um, you know, well, I, I don't have the budget for that. And, uh, you have to cut your price by 50%, right. And that may be t totally untrue. It usually is totally untrue. <laughs> You come back a year later after you've you know done good business with them and helped them um, and they're happy customers and now you, you are more sort of in with them and uh, they'll never remember treating you so awfully. They'll it's like it never happened and you have to be willing to let that go too or you're just not going to be able to survive in sales. So you got to be able to say okay, well that's the beginning of a relationship. A lot of times they'll you know treat the salesperson like a doormat, and that's fine. Um, you know later we'll become friends, and I'm not going to hold a grudge. So it's all about their reality, not yours. Exactly. Does most of what you've said so far is it kind of selling product specific, or does it apply for selling services? Um, is there a difference? Yeah, there is a difference. Um, I, I'd say that uh, the vast majority of my experience is in selling products, so software tools. But uh, services is a little bit of a different beast in some way. I think selling services is, uh, it can be easier than selling software. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is, um, you know, a lot of times when we're approaching a company and trying to, you know, give them an FEA tool or a CFD tool, for example, um, we're talking with them about uh, not not such an immediate um, pain that they're experiencing, but more you know a way of uh, improving their process for the future. Versus, uh, if you contact someone for who has a problem that they need to solve right now, um, and they're willing to outsource that to a consultant, um, you can scratch you can completely scratch their itch for them. You know, when you're selling software, you're selling them something where they're going to scratch their own itch. 
that they might eventually have at some point in the future. (laughs) (laughs) So, you, you know, if you can credibly get in there at the time when they're feeling the pain, then you're really talking, uh, you know, in in much more immediate terms um, for both them taking action and you solving the problem. So is there more of an element of of relationship building that's required for for selling services? You need to be, they need to remember you for when they do have a pain. Mm, I doubt it. Uh, Because they're not going to remember you. (laughs) I don't think they're going to remember you. (laughs) I mean, relationship is good, but, uh, you know, Ultimately, and yeah, people buy from all things, all things being equal, people buy from people they like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's true. But um, they also buy from people they hear from. So, <laughs> you know, one of the things that you'll get when you start selling, whether it's services or products, is, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have an initial uh, discussion with someone. They don't necessarily have uh, the problem that would warrant them taking action right now. And what do they say to you? Do, what, what does someone say to you if you call and they're not ready? Uh, I'm not. It's not really a great time today, Jeff. Can you uh, can you give me a bell back in six months or something like that? <laughs> oh, I, I shouldn't have done that. I just hit my desk because you're absolutely right. I, I actually have a note here to remember uh, saying "okie dokie" to six months. <laughs> <laughs> yep, um, that's what most people do. They say, or, or you know, in the old days, not so much anymore with the internet, but they used to say, "Well, can you send me some literature on that?" Which, when I started selling, meant you had to actually package something in an envelope and mail it to them. Um, but uh, yeah, the six month thing is, uh, oh yeah, you can call me back in six months. That That's what you get. Or they'll say, yep, uh, well, send me your info. I'll, I'll put you on file. And the next time we have a problem like this come up, I'll, get, I'll call you. Well, that's a complete lie, w- whether intentional or not, right? <laughs> They're never going to call you. So, you know, if you have a conversation with someone and you identify that they do have, you know, we're talking services here, but they do uh, periodically have the kind of problem that, um, that you solve, but they don't have it right now, there's probably little, um, value in you spending a ton of time with them now on the phone or otherwise. But, um, you want to try to dig out, okay, well, when was the last time you had this kind of problem? Uh, when do you think you'll have it again? Uh, can you tell me the name of the product that, uh, you know, that's coming up? Like usually there's a secret name. I always try to collect this. If they they call it, uh, you know, back when I was working at, um, GM on the EV one, we had this duct, um, for airflow in the battery pack and it, it, we called it Gumby's legs. That's what everybody called it. It had an official part name, but it looked like Gumby's legs. So Very good. So that's what we called it. So, you know, you want to listen for things like that so that when you do call them back, you you schedule when you're going to call them back. Um, You can say, hey, last time we talked, you were telling me that there might be a project around uh, Gumby's legs. How's that going? Talking, speaking their language, the the, the secret inside track. Yeah, I guess that's that's one little tip uh, for sure. And and I think, um, you know, the other so this is just a tactical tip that I'll, that I'll share. So, so that's one, you know, you get used to using their language. Um, they, you, you're, you're immediate, like if you use their internal language, the stuff that, you know, how they refer to their products or people or groups, um, you know, even the organization of their teams, um, you know, maybe they call it the red team, uh, you know, whatever it is, if you learn those things and write those down and listen for them and start to use them, then um, when they do have a problem that you can solve, they're, they're, they're much more likely to go with you because you seem to know them. You seem to be a better fit. 
than someone who, you know, doesn't use that kind of language. Um, but the other thing that's really important, you know, we'll take the six month, uh, example is you have to use the calendar. So when, well, the larger, um, proverb here is always have a next step at the end of every conversation or sales meeting. There has to be a next step. I don't care really how much teeth that next step has, you know, probably one of the biggest problems everybody has in sales when they're first starting is that they don't set a next step. They have a, you know, great sales meeting. And at the end of it, the customer shakes your hand says, Hey, thanks for coming in. That was the best presentation I've ever seen. Everybody says, okie dokie and you leave and there's no next step. (laughs) Well, guess what? Very unlikely that you're going to get any business done. So, um, always have a next step. And in the, you know, in this case that you brought up of, um, yeah, the the guy says, Oh, well, we don't have that right now, but why don't you call me in six months? I mean, first you need to dig in a little more, you know, okay, well, what do you think is going to happen in six months? Um, and you could say that in a way that's not combative. And, and, you know, if you say it nicely enough, they'll probably answer you. And then if they don't, then you could say, okay, well, when do you think you'll have a project coming up? You know, and then what is the name of that project? And then, you know, your next step might be, okay, uh, I'm going to call you then uh, on July 1st. How, how does that sound? And the guy's probably going to say, okay, and then put it on the calendar, even for a phone call like that. And if you put that on his calendar and he accepts the meeting, you're about a thousand times more likely to actually have that conversation on July 1st. Love it. So I want to thank you for your time today, Jeff, and give it as a little peek behind the uh, the sales curtain. But we're, we're running a bit long. But before we go, I want to see if there's a, a, little, a little tip or a, a tactic. Is there something that we can do today to put us on our journey towards up in our sales game a little bit, something we could leave the listeners with? Sure. Yeah. I mean, just, it's what I just said, really haven't always have a next step. Uh, try, try using that in your daily life, you know, see what happens when, uh, you're having a conversation with a coworker or your wife and you don't just end it and walk away, but you actually say, okay, when are we going to do that? And how are we going to do that? Let, let, you know, let's pick a date. Um, but another little tip, uh, I'll throw out is a very tactical thing as well is uh, LinkedIn is your friend. If you're going to be trying to build business, um, either for consulting or product today, uh, in social media, I I think for any engineering, for most engineering industries, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook, probably not all that useful, but LinkedIn is a must. You've got to go build uh, a good LinkedIn profile. Um, if you want to see an example of that, look at mine. I think it's pretty good. Um, just search for me, Jeff waters at LinkedIn. Um, and then every day, get serious about growing your network. What that does for you is, uh, as you start, re- you know, as you start picking out companies that you want to go after and try to sell to, um, it's much easier to have a warm intro from someone that knows someone that knows that person at the company. And it's amazing. You'll, you'll find these lots and lots of connections through people that you went to college with, uh, people that you've worked with in companies in the past. Um, really you should connect with everybody you could possibly think of on LinkedIn and grow your network. So apart from coming over and connecting with you on LinkedIn, where should people go who are listening who want to find out a bit more about um, um, what you're doing these days? I uh, mentioned right at the start that uh, you are a fellow podcaster. I'm going to get the URL wrong if I try and do it, but um, where can people go and listen to you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I did get into podcasting and I've, I've been off for a couple of years now, but I'm about to start again. Um, but I kept I keep a CAE blog. I guess I've had it for... Mm, 
maybe eight or nine years at this point, but uh, a lot of great uh, stuff in there. I, I need to get to writing on it more, but you can find me at lifeupfront.com. Um, so I talk there mainly about uh, CAE issues. You know, I, I'm a fan of CAE, a fanboy of CAE. So <laughs> you'll know, often find these little companies, the little startup companies that are doing interesting new things that maybe big CAE isn't doing yet. And I try to interview those folks and find out more about it. So um, that's a good place to start. Excellent. I second that. I, uh, partic- I'm a particular fan of the uh, Monica Schnitger interview. Excellent work. Oh, yeah. That was a great one. Yeah, go check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks again, Jeff. Thanks for your time. You got it. Yep. Bye-bye. Well, I guess you're still listening. You must have got something out of this. So why not hop over to TalkingCFD.com and sign up for the mailing list? Be good to have you. You'll get updates of new episodes and also more info about the end of season roundtable that I'm planning, where you can join me and some of this season's guests live for a little Q&A session. If that's your speed, then drop your email in the box at talkingcfd.com and I'll keep you in the loop. See you next time.